Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. Welcome to Out of the Blue from Maze and Brew, part of the SB Nation Podcast Network. A podcast that supports literacy and freedom of information, but also has the courage to support McCarthyism in these trying times. I am Jared Stormer of maizeandbrew.com. With me, as always, is Andy Bailey. This is a king for the night and for all nights to come. The prince that was promised, a man dear to my own heart. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing well, my friend. I have a fresh beer, a fresh tattoo, a hot girlfriend. You know, what more do I need in life? Have your friendship? Man, this is a guy that's living uh, at the height of, I mean, you're basically the main character in this story, sir. Uh, got the Game of Thrones tattoo going on. We got Game of Thrones back, which uh, maybe we'll, we'll throw some thoughts on to the end of this thing. But man, do we have some Michigan football to talk this week, despite it being uh, what was a pretty rudimentary beatdown of an inferior opponent. It was great to see, you know, didn't waste any time, just got straight to it, you know, didn't play with your food, just kind of took him behind the woodshed. And yeah, man, ready to get into it. Uh, all right. A couple quick hits uh, from around the league that we need to touch on first. Scott Frost has officially been fired by Nebraska. Uh, could have waited 20 more days and not had to have paid him $7 million, but they couldn't stand the sight of him. So he's gone. Uh, this was about, I would say, the most necessary firing that I can remember. I mean, it's more. this was more necessary than the Brady Hoke firing, and that guy didn't even wear a headset. Jared, have you ever hated anyone so much you'd pay them $7 million instead of suffering three more weeks with them? 
uh, that's going to be a negative for me. Uh, if we even did something like commensurate, like if I paid like $700 for someone to leave, I can't even think of a situation like that. No. No, that's, that's a lot of money with that. I mean, you could have a barbecue, you know, go see a movie. I mean, Several a lot of things barbecues. here. Several barbecues for $700. <laughs> I've never paid. I think the most I've ever paid to be like, I'm leaving. I think I've paid like $100 to like Uber out of a really bad date before, but this is a pretty substantial uh, cut and it could be that they're just wanting to take care of their guy. Like he is still one of Nebraska's sons. I wouldn't say he's a favorite son anymore, but it could be like, Hey, we're going to take care of you so that whoever's the next guy here knows that we do take care of you. We do. I mean, let it not be said that they weren't a patient uh, organization there with Scott Frost. But I mean, at some point you just got to rip the bandaid off. Yeah, he's like a second or third child, definitely. He's not the favorite. He's not the baby of the group. Um, still a son, though, so you know you got to watch out for him a little bit. But it's like, man, what a disappointment of a child. Very much so. Uh, do you have who would you say is the betting favorite to replace him at Nebraska? <clears throat> Uh, that's a good question. A lot of good names in the Midwest. Uh, I would look to Mark Stoops at Kentucky with what he's done with that program. Uh, just a little bit east in terms of Midwest, but I mean, they're a perennial ranked team. They're in the top 10 now, done wonders in the transfer portal, and I think he'd make a good impact there. I like that one. I think Matt Campbell would probably be on their wish list. Uh, how about Jim Leonard? Coming, uh, you know, stealing him away mm, from an mm. opponent. That would that could be one. interesting. Yeah. So something like that. I mean, it is still a, a, a school with resources. Now, whether or not this is an elite job, I would say it's probably not an elite job anymore. Uh, but it could still be good. You could still have success here. And I mean, looking around, which we'll do at the second half at, at college football at large. I mean, there's a lot of opportunity to that just with competency you can sneak in, especially now with the playoff expanding. So they got to feel like uh, they they need to get this one right. So it'll be an interesting coaching search, and you know we do want uh, you know the Big Ten to be at least you know competent year to year. So I don't think it's a bad thing if they get a quality coach there. No, a good coaching hire there would just send ripples through the kiddie pool that is the Big Ten West, so that would be good for everybody. <laughs> it is a rough scene in the Big Ten West. Can't wait to dance on their graves a little bit. Uh, other quick hits, we have very little injury reports, but we know that Eric All was sit, uh, sat out during the Hawaii game, is questionable for the UConn game. Donovan Edwards, if I were a betting man, I would say you're probably not going to see Donovan Edwards based on what we heard. Still haven't heard much about Nakai Hill green Carson Barnhart was sat out for that one so um, I mean I wouldn't say a concerning level of injuries and it doesn't sound like anything is season ending or or even close to that but you know they're starting to stack up but you know that's the nature of the beast and and some of this might just be glorified preseason we can sit these guys with little to no effect that's what it is, man. These first three games represent the preseason of Michigan season. Eric All, as soon as he got a little banged up in the game, came out, and they said he could have gone back in, but they opted to hold him out. And I think that's the case with everybody here. Like, if this were Ohio State next week, Michigan's 100% healthy. But at this time of the year, heading into UConn, we're a little more banged up than usual on the um, just on the sheet because they have the opportunity to sit these guys out and let them rest because you don't need them when you're a 47-point favorite. I'm sorry. 
no, you really do not. And I think that we're all fine, especially with guys like Donovan Edwards. Like, yeah, uh, go ahead and let that guy sit out UConn. Like, it's you know, CJ Stokes will be a, a a big player in that one. And and I'm really thinking we bet the over on the CJ Stokes, but we'll get to him here as we go through what we learned against Hawaii. Last quick hit, Jake Butt on the call Saturday night. Got the lightning delay. Um, you know, just kind of a weird first game for him. But I think he acquitted himself very well in his first call and getting to call your first game uh, as as uh, you know at Michigan come back home that was pretty awesome I mean that guy is uh, he, he could be a star in the making really excited for him yeah Jake Butt friend of the program uh, very very cool to see him get out there get his first game in really weird circumstances and they always say the hardest games to call are blowouts because there's so little to talk about. There's not a lot of action going on that has high stakes. So all that factored in with the lightning delay and a, you know, a not didn't have Joe Buck next to him. We'll just put it that way to be nice. Uh, I think he did very well. And I think with more reps, he's going to continue to progress in that role. And I have no doubt he'll be successful. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I don't think you're, you're knocking on Lisa Salters, but I mean, when you have someone that calls Michigan big blue, it's just like, all right, maybe you're not watching a ton of Michigan football. Cause we're, we're never big blue and yeah, tough to get a rhythm in a blowout like that. Um, so I, I think that he was, he was awesome and is going to continue to be awesome. And, and Devin Gardner, the games that he had were like these back and forth, like 35 to 41, completely wild games. So like, I think that's probably a little bit easier to get into a rhythm with. So excited to see uh, where he goes and just Michigan, the, the leaders and best out there getting, getting the edge in the broadcasting world. Um, any other quick hits from you, sir? And then we'll get into this Hawaii game. No, let's talk rainbow warriors, man. Yeah, uh, this was a beatdown as we assumed that it would be, and yeah. uh, you know, the, like like with all the, uh, the the other games before this, or the one other game before this, and the game following this, we're not going to explode about what we saw and be like, "Yep, this is definitively the case." But it's really taking all of my being to not overreact to what we saw against Hawaii in this game. You and I were texting during the game because, uh, you know, I stay off Twitter during the game. You interact a little bit, but not too much. And we're having a good dialogue about, like, every McCarthy throw was, all right, I'm not going to overreact. Nope, not going to overreact to that either. But eventually, by, like, the sixth completion, we're like, yeah, you got to start him. It's him. <laughs> it didn't take long. And, like, you and I, I think, came into this like, all right, remember it's Hawaii. Remember this could be statistically one of the worst teams in all of college football. You know, remember that J.J. isn't, like, strictly, you know, he's getting his first official start. He's played a lot. Uh, he's going to be hyped up. Yeah, no, it was by about completion number six that I was like, no, I'm in. Um, I will get his name and face tattooed on my face. Um, I will, you know, wed him to my daughter Game of Thrones style. Like, it, it's inappropriate as it might be. I don't care. I'm there on it. <laughs> no, man, I was the same way. It was the deep ball to Cornelius Johnson in stride on a rope. And I was like, okay, that ball traveled about 55 yards in the air and was just right between the numbers. And I've never seen Cade McNamara make that throw unless it was on a flea flicker. So it was very, like, that's why it stood out so much to me. I'm like, these are just throws that other quarterbacks on the roster can't make and most people in the country can't make. Hey, absolutely, and we're going to talk plenty about that. 56-10 was the final in this one. They do not cover the spread. Um 
but I don't think that that mattered. I think that all that anybody that stuck around, which props, a lot of people did stick around for this one, despite the the lightning delay. I think that's all that anybody had to take away, but we're going to try and talk about everything. But yeah, it, it, the conversation really, really begins with J.J. McCarthy, McCarthy and that era likely beginning 11 of 12 for 229 yards and three touchdowns. We both put out our stat predictions, both on Twitter and to one another, uh, it exceeded both of our stat predictions. We were trying to be a little bit conservative. He blew those away. Uh, the highest rated player on the team at PFF means nothing. Heisman odds just jump through the roof after this, get up to plus 4,000, putting him in like the top 15 as far as who they think is is a Heisman contender. Just the, it, it's you don't want to overreact. I get it, but try as you might, it's difficult not to. The vibe was different. The offense looked different. The confidence was at a different level than we have seen since we started doing this job. Uh, and, and when Harbaugh began at Michigan, it's different than anything that we've seen. And it's another level for this offense. McCarthy just had such a poise and presence when he was on the field, and these were traits he didn't have last year as a freshman. Like, you can really tell the game has slowed down for him, and it wasn't like he was just running zone reads every play. Like, they really tested his arm, his leadership, the way he, like, see blitzes, like, called his, like, pick out coverage disguises and things like that. But, I mean, granted, it is Hawaii, but for his first start out there to come out there and look so good, and then you juxtapose that with, Cade's performance in the same game it just made it look even better yeah that's the second part of this Cade McNamara goes four of six for 26 yards had a sack that Zach Zinter's probably going to want back not Zach Zinter's best day in fact the worst day Zach Zinter's had in a Michigan uniform that I can clock I don't know what that was about Um, but I mean the whole vibe changed when Cade came in and there was a, a definitive groan from the audience that did lead into booze. And we have to talk about this because you and I were pretty passionate in, uh, in how we feel about this one. Yeah, never boo the team. Anybody, I don't care like how bad it is. Like You and I have been staunchly on this corner since as long as we've known each other. Like You don't boo them. Like, you can be frustrated and have things like that, but like unless there's like extenuating circumstances, stop it. But this situation, I will say, has been a little overblown because from reading what people were there were saying, it was, just like it was a small sect of people, I think mainly drunk students. And at 10 p.m. at night, when you're drunk in college, you're going to make some bad decisions. That's fair. That's a defense of something that I'm still – I was on the edge of rage as it was happening, and I'm on the edge of rage now thinking about it because, man, how short does your memory have to be to boot Cade McNamara? I agree. Uh, you should almost – never boo the team i will say like if you're nebraska and you're like we're paying scott frost how much like you can probably boo against that defensive performance against georgia southern you might be able to boo the offensive output at iowa but we are defending big 10 champs and that guy took us there i think it uh it it was uncalled for i agree that it probably was a little bit overblown because a hundred people are gonna you know 150 people you could probably hear if they if they're doing it loud enough on that broadcast, um, but it was enough that you got other players talking about it, players on the team talking about it, former players talking about it. So it is a talking point and something that needed to be mentioned. Um, if you do it while I'm there and, and Cade comes in and he, he's like and we're up 42 and you're mad that he threw an incompletion like I'm putting gum in your hair. I'm just I'm letting you know right now. <laughs> that's the least of their worries what you're going to do to them but uh offensively uh who, who else stood out to you outside of the quarterback battle 
Yeah, absolutely. And uh, the running backs look good uh, in this game, despite probably, I will say, a subpar showing from the offensive line. Not this is I'm not going to knock him. It wasn't really bad, but it wasn't Joe Moore. Oh, my gosh. This is for sure the best offensive line in the country. The Zach Zinter sack was pretty inexplicable. He had one of his worst days, did not grade out well, was one of the worst graded on PFF, which means nothing. I get that. But it is something that people seem to look at. Uh, But he also didn't really pass the eye test either. Um, uh, And some of that was just in the Cade downs, which we can analyze or just move past. I'll leave that up to you. Um, But the wide receivers seem to get new life in this one. Cornelius Johnson really popped in this one, uh, made the most of every opportunity that came his way. Really everyone except for Ronnie Bell that had an opportunity caught the the passes that came their way. And and the efficiency of J.J. led into some of that as well. But the receivers making the most of it. Roman Wilson uh, really looking like a star in the making as well against his hometown team. Yeah, it was good to see CJ bounce back, and it's kind of surprising he has really good chemistry with JJ and not Cade from what we saw against Colorado State. Uh, Ronnie Bell, like, still getting his sea legs under him. It was so great to see him get his first touchdown back. That was an awesome moment. I think he's only going to continue to improve and learn how to take hits and protect the ball again because it's hard to practice those things and really like keep that muscle memory sharp when you're like out for so long with injury. And Roman Wilson is bona fide wide receiver one. He has four touches this year and three touchdowns. Like, if that's not wide receiver one, I don't know what is. Yeah, and uh, want to go back and touch on um, giving the ball back to Ronnie after having the drop in the uh, the interception and still being like, nope, you're my guy. Real, real, like, heavy, like, high-level stuff, like, heavy leadership capabilities on display type of decision-making out there that he was like, no, 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 Ronnie's going to be our guy. We need to make sure that he's like, you know, that his head is right and his confidence is restored. So major props for JJ for going back to him, not to go back to the quarterbacks, but I thought that that was really heady. And yeah, I'm not too worried about Ronnie. I think that, you know, with all that he's been through adversity wise, like there's probably a lot on his mind. He just needs to go out and have some fun, play the game that he loves. And I think he'll be fine. Yeah, man. And uh, the other guys on the offense that this team had, we had five rushing touchdowns in this game by five different players. Isaiah Gash got in on the action. CJ Stokes looks like a bona fide yeah. star, just yeah. looks outstanding as RB3. Uh, Donovan Edwards with a great catch. I mean, this offense is multiple. And when you talk about the offensive line, I'll, I'll give a little bit of pushback on that. Like, I want to hold reservation uh, until they're at full strength. You know, they get a good rhythm with one solid quarterback in there as well. And like even last year, you and I were talking offline about how at Rutgers we could not move the ball running it or passing it in the second half. But then against Ohio State, we can just bulldoze them. So I think the motivation will be there when they're challenged a little bit more. But um, oh, it's a fair criticism this early on when you're just trying to look for something instead of just being like, this is the best team yeah. of all time. I, know, I, like, I get where you're coming from. I'm not trying to be a contrarian or anything, but like we really fall victim to groupthink. If every podcast were like, yeah, uh, perfect. Every single player was uh, 99. Uh, there's no room for growth. I have no notes. I'll catch you next week, buddy. <laughs> Just end the pod five quick minutes. Like, hey, man, it's good to see you. Team's still good. 
really good stuff. This is why you guys tune in. But yeah, I'm just trying to find some like things that need tweaking. But yeah, it is difficult to take too much away from this. And I hope that as the competition stiffens, so will the uh, the the offensive line and the communication will get better. And I do really think that Zach Zinter probably wants this game back. Even just that one sack, like it was at a bad moment and it just kind of led to like the bad vibes. Not really a vibes guy. That's not a trackable stat. Not even PFF has that one available yet. But the vibe surrounding Cade McNamara after that sack and just like another drive stalling, the optics were not great on that. So you'd like to see them perform a little bit better, especially for their Big Ten winning quarterback. But um, all right, let's do some. uh, Oh, no, let's uh, on the defense. Let's let's talk defense. Who stood out for you? We'll give some game balls and then uh, we'll, we'll talk about what we're sure about after week two. Defensively, let's just start with the the front. Like it was insane. The starters at halftime had held Hawaii to, I believe, two first downs, and the Rainbow Warriors were averaging 1.9 yards per play. You know, I'm not a big numbers guy, but I think that's pretty good. Uh, Jalen Harrell really popped, blasted the quarterback. I believe it was their first possession, forced the uh, fumble incomplete. I think it was a fumble, and if it's incompletion or not, but just crunched the quarterback. He still looks powerful off the edge. And uh, another one before I let you cook for me would be a junior Colson man just still just isn't so much command in the middle of the defense. Yeah, yeah, you touched on a lot of guys there. How about every player in the secondary really running? This is a group that pursues to the ball and all of them like to tackle. Like uh, when we had Jordan Lewis and Channing Stribling, it was like, man, Jordan Lewis, complete quarterback. Channing Stribling, he'll be right there in coverage, doesn't like to tackle. But you've got guys, two of them that are pretty sticky and like to tackle RJ Moten likes to come up and tackle Makari page, man, I am going to be insufferable. If he hits, that's a guy that I've really been hoping for. Um, and, and he can really come up and hit like, that was one of the criticisms like, Hey, we like Makari page in coverage, but can he be a physical tackler? So I've got my, my eyes and my stamp all over Makari page, uh, DJ Turner looked good as well. So very impressed with everybody in the secondary, Michael Barrett, a little, a shout out to him that making the most out of this time with Makai Hill green out a uh, valuable, valuable rotation player. Um, Mason Graham. Are you kidding me? Like, again, I mean, one of the higher rated guys, I think you played the most snaps on defense too, and got one of the highest grades from PFF means nothing, but I mean, it, it, it is some type of measurement for how good this guy is as a freshman that they're like, yeah, we're going to play him the most snaps on defense. Um, and then the guys you mentioned, Morris, Harrell, the edges look really, really solid with those guys. McGregor, again, had a couple plays where he popped too. So uh, a lot of the same guys as last week. A lot of depth was played in this one. So the defense in particular uh, saw a lot of guys get snaps that are going to end up being valuable. Um yeah, a good performance from the defense. I don't think that they scored until it was mostly third stringers in there. and We were up 42. So at that point, it's just we're playing practice. Yeah, I would say maybe even fourth or fifth stringers at that point. But uh, one, how dare you not mention Mikey Sainer still in that secondary. Kid loves to tackle. Um, <laughs> two, My the bad. thing that impressed me most with the defense in this game was the uh, multiplicity of the coverages because in game one against Colorado State, it was a lot of zone, more cover two, cover three. And this one was a lot of cover one and cover, cover zero, like a lot of just strict man-to-man. And I think they did it because they knew they could just out-athlete Hawaii. 
and not put like too much on tape, but they can be that versatile. So we got we've come so far from the days of Don Brown when we're gonna run our stuff and you're gonna run your stuff and we'll see who wins. It's like, no, we can change things week to week because this secondary is so cerebral, so smart, so adaptable, so physical. They can do everything. And I think that's gonna show later on in the year, maybe against Maryland in two weeks, what they can do against that passing offense will be a good litmus test. But uh, I can't heap enough praise on the defense right now. Yeah, yeah, I do agree. When people were trying to find criticisms for the defense, I was like, I'm going to push back on that. Like, if you want to like criticize, like if there is any criticism in this game, I think it has to be on the offensive line. I think the defense looks flat out just dominant at times with this no star defense, which we're quickly going to shed. Uh, that label I have to imagine stars are already emerging on that defense and like we haven't even seen the defense at full strength yet either so uh, all right sir you wrote your game balls piece that's over on mazenbrew.com you'll be doing that every week go check that out not even shameless the the man knows what he's doing Um, absolutely loved your piece on the quarterbacks this week Uh, so if you want to go hear Andy's thoughts as this thing kind of was unfolding and those thoughts were fresh in his mind definitely go check that out um, but all right, sir, I want to let you cook on game balls for you. Uh, game balls I handed out this weekend. Uh, pretty straightforward. Uh, Roman Wilson, Hawaii native, has a big game. Two touches, two touchdowns. It's hard to get much better than that in, sh- in a short amount of time. Uh, J.J. McCarthy, uh, first career start, just has as good a first career start as anyone has ever had. And just looked incredible, under control at times, just complete generalship which I think he didn't have last year and Cade did. He really looked like a general out there controlling the offense. And my last one was to uh, the first-timers, kids that got in for their first game in this one. I believe there were 14 altogether, maybe 12. I don't have the number at hand. But you never forget the first time you're on the field at Michigan Stadium. Like It means more. Over 90 kids got to appear in this game, walk-ons, I mean, fourth, fifth stringers, getting that experience. And that's what these games are about. Like You put the team away early and you get experience because these players could become dudes in a few years. And it starts with your first, second, third reps in games like this. I, I'm totally with you, man. And I love that you threw like the first timers out there, guys like Jimmy Rolder and Micah Parsons that are going to play a big role. And then guys that are, you know, fourth, fifth year seniors as well, that this is their last time with the program. They've been valuable members of the scout team now getting to go out there and actually play a game for a crowd that pretty much stuck around late into the night. So still a good atmosphere, even late into the night. Um, yeah, I will go uh, Morris and Harrell on the defensive line. I fully see what you're talking about with Harrell. He's popping every time. Um, and then I got to give a little bit of love to uh, the secondary. Picking one is tough. I'm going to go with Makari Page because he popped for me. And that's just going to really do wonders for me and like my, oh, I called it if Makari Page can hit. So very selfish pick for me there and then on offense it's jj mccarthy let's not overcomplicate this mccarthy and roman wilson that connection was really special um cj great bounce back um how about uh ronnie bell you know making that catch you know you can't give him a game ball because he also had probably one of his worst games but also catching that uh that post route in the end zone and then doing the nico collins celebration the shoulder shrug i was like i'm enjoying this uh right now i am pleased it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It just felt so good, man, for him to get the monkey off his back with like getting back in the end zone because the last time he was in the end zone, the next time he touched the ball, he was out for the season. So this was just a huge mental roadblock for him to clear. And like you said, you can't give him a game ball, but you can just kind of give him a attaboy. Like it feels good to see. Definitely an attaboy for sure. Uh, the crowd loves him and they'll be every time there's just going to be a little bit extra when he does something on the field. So, all right, uh, let's move into uh, what we're sure, what we're not sure about and uh, what remains to be seen. Um, or actually, you know what? You want to take a break? How do you want to do this? I'll say quick break real quick. All right, let's take a break. Come back and uh, we'll go heavy on the back end. We'll be back right after this. All right, coming back, we got a big second half. Lots to talk on, so let us not delay. Let's get into that. We're going to continue with the format that we did last week with uh, we are sure, are we sure, or we are for sure not sure, or what we need to, what remains to be seen, however you want to call it. All right, so let's start with the things that we're sure about, and we were alluding to this pretty heavily in the first half, so let's just go ahead and put it out there. We're sure JJ's quarterback won. Yeah. Lock it in, ink it, permanent marker tattooed on your body. He is quarterback one. Uh, we are sure Roman Wilson is wide receiver number one. Yeah, th- uh, 75% of his touches have been touchdowns. I think that qualifies him to be so. Yes, I think so too. This one, like you might have a little pushback. Like, well, let's see how the season goes. Ronnie could still get back there. CJ is definitely still going to be a target. I'm feeling pretty confident Roman Wilson's a star. So I'm going to go with We Are Sure. And last, We Are Sure that I had, Olu Oluwatimi is the best on the line and also should have worn number 70 or 77 for nickname purposes. <laughs> the nickname purposes would have helped. I am not sure about this yet because I want to see Ryan Hayes full strength. Okay. Uh, I had Ryan Hayes a little further down. I'm feeling pretty sure about this myself, but uh, you've, you've kind of talked to me out of some of my offensive line. Uh, can, not even concerns. It, they can't be concerns when you're the highest scoring team in football or second highest scoring team in football. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, he just has looked the most consistent early on. But Zach Zinter, I mean, he could still rebound as well. So yeah, I- I'm fine with you pushing back on that one. All right, let's get into Are We Sure? We'll kind of go back and forth on these ones. You go ahead and get us started, sir. All right, sir. Are we sure Gamon Green isn't cornerback one? Uh, we are not sure. And you could convince me. I think he's been more consistent through two games and you're picking and choosing against an inferior opponent. Uh, Hawaii definitely wanted to pass a little bit more than Colorado State, but neither was able to get anything going in this one. But Jamon Green graded out higher from PFF again. That means nothing. But um, also the eye test looked really good. But DJ Turner can really come up and hit. I'm not sure on this one. Where do you stand? Uh, I stand more in the DJ Turner camp. Uh, We have some nicknames working later, and you and I are excited about our DJ Turner nominations, so we'll get to that later. But um, I still think he is cornerback one. He's not being tested for a reason. I think it's because he is the stronger guy. But we'll see when he does get tested here 
maybe not against the Huskies, but in two weeks against Maryland, um, we're really going to know more about this back end. I'm with you. All right, coming your way, uh, Jalen Harrell, Mike Morris, Yabi Anoma, Bra- uh, Braden McGregor, lots of guys that are starting to look like a really good rotation group. Do we actually have a lead pass rusher, and are we sure we even need a lead pass rusher? I want to say it's Jalen Harrell, just so I can take a victory lap and you know get all the flowers thrown at me and like be worshipped at the ground. Um, but we no, we don't. We don't have a lead pass rusher, and that's the strength of this group. It's Units, they deploy in differently. It's a very much a team effort. Uh, a Yabi, Morris, McGregor, uh, Harrell. I mean, it's just been just wave after. Even Upshaw had a moment in this game. So, I mean, just wave after wave of guys coming at you. So I think that's the strength uh, of this unit. No, there is no pass rusher one. I would agree, but someone is likely to emerge. There's going to be a leader. Like it's unlikely that it's all tied like across three or four guys or even two guys, but I don't think it's going to be a huge gap. I'm with you. I think that it'll end up being pretty evenly spread, but again, these are all very early returns. All right. Hit me, sir. All right. Next one coming your way. PFF knows what they're talking about since you've mentioned them and the fact that they don't matter several times. Well, I mean, if we're going to keep on bringing them up, I guess we have to hope that they know what they're talking about slightly. And a lot of other outlets seem to care about them, but you and I definitely do not understand how they're grading these things out. J.G. McCarthy was the highest graded. That seemed right to me, but it was at a 93.7. And then how does QBR work? Like, how is his QBR like up in the 200s or something? It's just all very bizarre. And I'd like someone to sit me down like I was an infant and explain it to me like the birds and the bees. But uh, no, I'm not sure. And I don't know that I'll ever be sure. I treat PFF like I do Rotten Tomatoes, to where Rotten Tomatoes can be skewed different ways on campaigns and everything else working against you. But I rely on my eyes more than I do on Rotten Tomatoes, and that's the same way I treat PFF. I like it. That's a really good comparison. And you and I uh, say that we use the PFF because then we match it to our eye test. And that's just kind of like what we do for the eye test, because there's really not anything else that's going to grade every player. So it gives you something that can be like, well, to me, it really looked like Olu was the best on the offensive line and Zach's integrated out really poorly in this one. And I would say that that does line up. But then sometimes it's like uh, Dominique Gedice really dominated this game, uh, which, you know, he, he played well. But, you know, it, it sometimes it doesn't make any sense to you and you're not sure how they're really getting these these statistics. But that's a really good comparison. Um, all right. Yeah, coming- when they uh, when, uh, one more point on that, when they like have like a grade, when it's something silly, like, hey, Jake Thaw, better punt returner than A.J. Henning. Here's why. It's like, no. <laughs> Just like we were up by 47 when he was taking punts. Like the air was out of the sails, my friends. Uh, yeah, I'm with you. Like, and how do you gauge that sort of thing when it's like, yeah, well, this game was already over. Like, I'm not going to overreact to what happened with the third stringers in there. So, yeah, it's it's very strange. I think they need to take that sort of thing into account. But I digress. All right. Uh, let's hit you. I'm going to hit you with probably the most prominent one on here. Are we sure JJ isn't the most talented quarterback to start at the position since we started watching and covering Michigan football in 2015? Man, this is a tough one. Like you, you think back, like with what Shea Patterson was coming out of um, high school, being the five-star lauded at Ole Miss before he transferred to Ann Arbor. But man, I just, I really value what, J, what JJ does, like again, I talked about the generalship and the presence that I felt like 
Patterson was so up and down when he started. Like, I want to give it some more time with JJ, but I like this working theory because I think Patterson's the only one that, like, as far as, like, pure talent in this discussion during the hardball era that we could, like, really compare him to, right? I would agree, and I would even say you could take it back further to, like, uh, when we were both still, like, getting really engaged in the Brady Hoke era when it was Denard Robinson and Devin Gardner. You can take it back even further, and I think that it remains the same. Like, it's basically him or Patterson, and I'm almost ready to put him up there. I just got to see it against a little bit better of a team than Hawaii. I can't do it. I can't get there over one game against Hawaii. Yeah. Uh, please don't go back and listen to uh, the 2017 After Purdue podcast. We might have said some overly positive things about John O'Corn. <laughs> oh, my God. Our biggest whiff of all time was John O'Corn. Oh, man. Yeah, exactly. So for that reason and uh, other reasons, such as Joe Milton and Dylan McCaffrey, I think you and I are being like, all right, I don't want to anoint him yet because we've done this before and been dead wrong. And the quarterback position is like it's such a mental position. But, man, he seems to have all the stuff between the ears together. Um, like you said, the field generalship. I don't know how you didn't call it seamanship even though it's happening on land, like we're, <laughs> we're big proponents of seamanship and that man has command of the fleet out there, but it is, it is just Hawaii. So that's where I'm going to land on that and try to take the, uh, the patient approach much like I do with a uh, game of Thrones being like, all right, let's see, let's see how this develops. You know, uh, I, I maybe got a little too into game of Thrones last time, started naming babies and, and dogs and stuff. Uh, let's wait and see with this team until they play at least Maryland. <laughs> I'm with you there, and we should call this the Ocorn Corollary, just to always remind ourselves to slow there down is. and, you know, give it some time. All right, next question, coming your way. Your specialty is the secondary. You love it. You love talking about your favorite group to watch. Makari Page couldn't still take R.J. Moten's job. Are we sure? Or, I'll give you a counterpoint with that, or are we going to see more of that three-safety hybrid look with all of them back there and less Will Johnson? You brought up a great point about Michigan completely changing up the coverage and going with more of a cover one man scheme this time. I think they're kind of messing around and playing with that and feel like their depth is in the secondary. So it it behooves them to find ways to get McCarry Page on the field over, say, like a Jimmy Rolder. Uh, their depth is occurring on the offensive line or excuse me, on the defensive line, and it's occurring in the secondary and they're a little thin at linebacker. So they're going to find ways to get him on the field. So, yes, I do think that that could lead into that. Like, I'd rather have both of them on the field than have Makari Page just supplant R.J. Moten because they're both really, really good football players. They both can tackle. Um, I know it was again, I'm not going to say it every time, but just Hawaii. But Makari Page now two games worth of examples of not being afraid to come up and hit somebody. He's long and athletic and he's pretty sticky in coverage already. I think he's going to get better there. So that's a guy I'm extremely high on. So could he overtake him for overall snaps? Yeah. I think that this is in the right category. Like we're not sure. Let's see what happens because it's something I'm going to have my eye on for sure. I've been really high on Macari pages ability. I love RJ Moten too. Um, better to have them both out there, but it's it's a battle still as far as like who's who's the number one, but both are going to get 30 plus snaps a game. How do you see that one? Yeah, I see it. Uh, you had a really good point there at the end. I don't think it's going to be more of a supplanting, but it's going to be more of just a shared load like it was last season because you saw 
uh, four safeties rotate in frequently between Dax Hill, Brad Hawkins, Rod Moore, RJ Moten. So I think you'll see it amongst those three back there as well as Mikey Sainer still rotating in at the nickel. So I think it's going to be more of that. But I think you're going to see a ton of McCarty Page down the stretch. Uh, he's really progressed, like you said, as like a tackler and playing in the box, not just in coverage. And uh, despite his size at safety, he, he doesn't move like awkwardly. He runs very fluently. So that's a great sign to see as well. And it really makes sense when you look at his coverage skills. Yeah, I'm with you, sir. Uh, I think we're lockstep there. He may have re-entered the chat for which jersey, because I was about to buy the DJ Turner one, lock it in, and then I was like, man, a page number seven? That's a mean, mean jersey combination. Looks good out there. All right, coming your way, sir. Uh, I'm trying to think which one of these would you enjoy answering. All right, I think I think I've got it. Are we, sir? Are we sure C.J. Stokes isn't a potential star in the making, and maybe we undervalued him with our 300 yards over under? for prediction. I don't, I don't know if that prediction was off, but lock hit in. He is a future star at Michigan. He's a complete back. He can do everything already for just being a first year player in two games he can run. He can catch, he can pass block. He has great size, speed, work ethic from all the anecdotes you hear from Harbaugh and the staff. So no lock this one in Stokes is a future star. Oh, so you're saying that that should be moved up to we are sure. That feels a little early to me, um, again, because of just the quality of the opponents. But it is like you can see it. Like, that's why I had it here. I'm still going to keep it yeah. here in the like, just because I want to see some of these things against the Big Ten team because it can look really, really good against inferior opponents. But I think I'm with you. Yeah, it's just – I. I... Outside of opponents, certain things you can tell, and um, the way he like, has the feel for the game, I think that's what I'm really like clinging to here. But uh, next one, I'm going to give it to you. It's been the hot one on this seat, and I don't want to be selfish and take it. I'm going to let you cook. Are we sure Cade McNamara is at Michigan next year? This is probably where this belongs because it remains to be seen. I mean, JJ could get injured. Oh my gosh, I am knocking on wood and throwing salt over my shoulder, whatever the order of operations is. That would be devastating after hope has, you know, sprung anew. But it could always happen and he could come in and still lead us to a really successful season. Um, he is a captain there, obviously, like he has ties to this team. He has ties to this offensive line, just stuff that we can tell from, you know, following him on social media, what he says in interviews and things like he definitely does love this team. If I had to predict, I would say he's probably I, I think he would transfer. I would think he would probably go seek an opportunity where he could play. I mean, God, Iowa would love to have him. I mean, ideally, you don't go somewhere. Where we have to face him that that's not what you want. But I mean, a lot of teams could use a Cade McNamara. So my gut tells me uh, this is probably in the right place. We're not sure it remains to be seen, but I'm leaning towards he probably transfers. How do you see it? Uh, yeah, I think if uh, health is not a factor this year for McCarthy, I think it is pretty much locked in that McNamara will go somewhere else, as he should. He deserves to start somewhere. He's too talented, too good, has too much leadership, and too much of a resume to just sit on the bench next year as much as I would love to still have him at Michigan. So uh, unless something happens to McCarthy, knock on wood, God forbid, and uh, McNamara comes back in and re-earns the starting position, uh, I believe he'll be in another uniform next year, and I hope he balls out. 
I'm with you as well. All right. Uh, we are for sure not sure what remains to be seen. I already kind of alluded to this one. Uh, offensive line, you're you're trying to, to talk me out of it. But I mean, I, I can't just be completely like everything is perfect. Everything is awesome. We are very pleased. Uh, I have no notes. So that's what I'm, I'm going to say is like, I don't know that the offensive line is Joe Moore award winning good this year. But I mean, you really just need it to be like a top 10, top 15 offensive line for it to be fine. And I still think that's very much in play. Yeah, my thing is, and it's been this way, is would you have said this offensive line is the best in the country after the putrid Rutgers performance last year? Like, it's so early in the year. We haven't had the offensive line at full strength yet. So that's why this question is precisely where it needs to be. We're for sure not sure how good this unit is, what their potential is, what their ceiling is. So, um, no, it's going to be something to watch to see if it is a fluke and it's early game, not really challenged, a lot of moving parts going on. Or is there some flaws here? Maybe Sharon Moore's um, focus has been taken away from them. So he's not as like on top of them every day in practice. There's more of the offensive responsibilities on his mind. So that is something to keep an eye on. Yeah, it's the one thing I'll be watching again, not against UConn, but against Maryland. But all right, sir, hit me. What do you got? Is a front-loaded cupcake schedule or preseason a benefit or a detriment to this team? I'm in the camp of every now and again, it's okay. Alabama does it every freaking year and look at their run. So, I mean, you got to look at the precedent that's being set and look at how we've, you know, scheduled out of conference the last 10 years and how we've scheduled out of conference the coming five years, whatever's on the schedule. So no, I, I, I mean, I I'm for sure. Not sure if it's a benefit or a detriment, but having the ability every now and again, especially in a year like this where we already proven it. And like, we've got some real stars on the team, like letting them kind of ease into it and let the younger guys build this next generation, a Michigan talent. I'm okay with it this year, but Will, it remains to be seen. It remains to be seen what, whether it helps the team in the long run or not. I'm okay with it every year, to be honest. Like, it doesn't matter. The only reason it's an issue is because there's a 24-hour sports news cycle and there's nothing else to talk about right now. Nobody, like, by the time Week 10 gets here, nobody's going to be like, man, that second game of the year against Hawaii, that really screwed them up. No, it's an ease into the year. It's literally a preseason for these guys to get there when the bullets are real, get some reps and understand how it's going to be, and then get into the actual schedule, the Big Ten, where it matters. Why why risk it and play them? No one's going to care about these games here in a few weeks. Like, it's just very silly to me that this is even like a discussion. Like, yeah, you should start off with a hard opponent when your team doesn't really know who they are and they're still figuring it out. Why? That is so dumb just so you can be entertained. No, like I'd rather my team go undefeated. Uh, this one's been festering in me, clearly. Man, on the edge of rage. I absolutely love it. Let the man cook there. Uh, he has some thoughts. I agree with your thoughts, unsurprisingly. Uh, you know, we, we've we detailed just how difficult our schedule was. I mean, in uh, 2021 and 2019, the last two college football seasons that were real, I think we were seventh and eighth most difficult, respectively, schedules in the nation. So, like, this is this is a rarity rather than the norm. And even still, like you brought up a great point, like Alabama does it every single year and they get a little bit of crap from Big Ten Twitter and that's it. But like because we're Michigan, everyone is wanting to pile on. But like, why would we risk losing to, you know, what like Washington? We, we really lucked out last year. They were an absolute tire fire. But I mean, it might not be the case this year for Michigan State when they face Washington. So like, we'll see. Like, that's another game that we'll have our eyes on. And I'm with you, man. 
great rant. <laughs> yeah, it's just so silly. It's like, you know, instead of playing Ohio State, the hard team, when your team is a well-oiled machine, they know who they are, they've been through the trials and tribulations of a season. Hey, let's do that week one. Let's play, let's play Georgia then. You know, that makes more sense. That's yeah. so ridiculous. And look, we've got some good ones coming up. We got Texas scheduled to uh we'll look a lot around college football a little bit and talk about Texas. I think Texas, I'm never gonna say Texas is back because uh that just spurned me. Uh, but it spurned many people for many years, decades even, but they look like they have a defense. So, I mean, yeah, we've got some people scheduled coming up too. So it's literally just this one year. Um, all right. Last, uh, we are for sure. Not sure. Corum Edwards Stokes better than Haskins corn Edwards backfield. <laughs> this is the ultimate settle down juice. And we're both on the same <laughs> side of this. Uh, la- no, no, no. Like un- unless there is like some uh, dynacism, that's, I mean, just like really prolific over the next few weeks of just huge games, like 150, three touchdown performances. Uh, Stokes goes off this week. You start building the case, but come on, man. What, what are we doing here? Haskins, Corum, Edwards last year, 20 tutties, five against uh, Ohio State, almost 2,000-yard backs. Uh, the Michigan running back receiving yards record from Edwards against Maryland. What are we doing here? All right. Well, I mean, look, we were just being a little bit too, like, rah, rah, rah. I needed to settle it down a little bit, you know, pull the car into the garage, close the garage door, and rev the engine. Maybe, uh, maybe inhale some of that settle down gas, take a nap, but yeah, it was, <laughs> I, I agree with you. It's a long way to go, but I think we're both pretty high on Stokes. One last thing. Uh, I think we are both sure we didn't touch on it, but we were pretty sure week one, I think we're both pretty sure the no star defense is going to be just fine. Yeah. Yeah. We can bump that one up. I think we're going to be okay. We're, we're going to figure it out. Absolutely. All right. Let's look around the Big Ten. Uh, Some interesting things happened. Um, Basically interesting in the sense that uh, the Big Ten out of Michigan, Ohio State and possibly Minnesota could be weapons grade cheeks. (laughs) A great way to describe the Big Ten West. I call it the kiddie pool. Weapons grade cheeks also qualifies. I mean, just in a word, yikes. It's bad. Iowa, uh, the Iowa situation, they lose to Iowa State 7-10. to Their offense is number 131 in the country. It is historically bad, historically inept. And, I mean, they're, they're the returning champions on that side. And, I mean, with Nebraska already firing Scott Frost, Wisconsin loses to Washington State. It's just it, uh, ugly, ugly performances throughout on that side. Minnesota, Minnesota remains undefeated, but... I mean, it, it's hard to be too excited about what's going on in the Big Ten West. Again, the streak is not going to be broken this year where the Big Ten West wins the Big Ten championship game. It's never happened, and it's not going to happen this year, and you can bet your house, mortgage, children's future on that. Dude, I mean, this is probably a different podcast, but when we bring in UCLA and USC, they've got to rearrange this thing. I mean, pretty clearly. um, I mean, every year it's pretty bad, but at least there's an argument because Wisconsin is able to maintain some semblance of respectability. But this Washington State loss is pretty bad. I mean, it was like a three touchdown favorites. Washington State just has a terrible record going on the road. That one was really bad. The Iowa State one, at least Matt Campbell's a competent coach, competent program there at Iowa State. Um, but it's just what it what they looked like and how bad the offense looked 
And then, yeah, who knows what to expect from Nebraska. But, I mean, that's going to take some time to turn around. It's just completely lopsided now with Michigan, Ohio State. I mean, we'll include Michigan State there for now. Uh, and Penn State, it, eh, you and I aren't believers, but they certainly have talent at Penn State. It's just way lopsided. Uh, yeah, it's it's they need to fix this thing when the time comes and the opportunity is about to be right there. Yeah, this is uh, Matt Campbell's first time ever beating his rival, Iowa. So uh, shout yeah. out to you for finally getting the job done in a 7-10 to 10 rock fight. Uh, yeah, the fate of the Big Ten West seems like it hinges upon uh, the Minnesota fighting flex. And it's like the one person that like un- like unites the entire West of like an object to hate and rise up against. So it's like you guys have to get something together. Otherwise, this guy is going to win your division. You can't let that happen. Yeah, that's just a joke of a human being. Just uh, I, don't, I don't think I've ever used this, but that's a blowhard. Like you meet him and you're just like, oh, this guy's a joke, right? Is this guy real? Like we're, we're out here playing golf and he's out here talking about how we need to canoe upstream. We need to cut and, and form our own canoe using only rudimentary tools, paddle it upstream. Like, no, dude, just hit your shot. Like, come on, we're playing scrambles. <laughs> exactly. Like never been a flat guy. I remember all the slander going around with Harbaugh when he had some success in the big 10 West. And it's like, yeah, because it's the big 10 West, like let's all take a deep breath, understand the big boys play in the East and the kiddie pool. It's in the West. Yeah. And it is uh, definitely a diluted pool at that looking around college football. Uh, this is certainly worth mentioning. Texas A&M loses to app state 14 to 17, another top 10 victory for app state. Does this kill the Michigan loses to App State? Is this crazy generational once in a lifetime upset talk? Like, are we vindicated? What does this do? No, no, Damn not it. not in the slightest, because ever since that win in 07, App State has actually like evolved into like a very good, competent, high level football team. Like this is like it's a shocking loss nonetheless, because they're not P5, but like they're a very good team. And um, so 07 kind of sparked it for them. But no, man, unfortunately, we have to live with that. I mean, I know we have to live with it. I still owe my uh, mom and, and stepdad a walk home from uh, Michigan Stadium to Toledo, which I vowed I would do if we lost that game. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to do that. Try and find a way to do that for charity, though, at least make this thing worth it. But yeah, I was there. I was at that game. And I'm just maybe hoping to cleanse the memory of that. But you're, you're absolutely right. Like App State now shouldn't be taken for granted. Now for Texas A&M, oh my goodness, absolutely awful. The amount of money that you're paying Jimbo Fisher to have now a one game worse record than Kevin Sumlin when you fired him. Uh, the optics are bad. The buyout will be something like the likes of which we've never seen in college football if they decide to let him go. I think it's $45 million. insane insane numbers and uh, just makes you appreciate Jim Harbaugh and you want to talk about a deal we have the ultimate steal right now with what we're paying Jim Harbaugh for some of these other programs and what we're getting like you could double it and we'd still be be like yeah yeah that's the right number I mean absolute steal yeah and with A&M and with Notre Dame who we'll get to next who lost to Marshall this week um, this is a great recruiting opportunity. A&M for the transfer portal, Notre Dame for recruits we're going at in the same area. Like this is such a good opportunity for Michigan to swoop in there and be like, do you guys really want to l- keep losing? Do you like losing? Is, is that what you went to college to do? Or do you want to come to Michigan where we played over 90 kids in a game? 
year one here. Like, this is what we do here, win Big Ten championships. We schedule these cupcakes and we beat them. We don't schedule them and lose to them. Oh, I love it. My man is over there throwing some heat. He's uh, he, he's definitely feeling his stuff after the victory over Hawaii. But you're right, though. I mean, I think that Michigan has turned that corner and we should 100 percent, especially Notre Dame, be looking at these recruits. And I think that's going to be an area of opportunity. There's uncertainty in a lot of places. This is a weird, weird year looking around. I mean, the Texas, Alabama stuff was certainly interesting. There were some other upsets, some that didn't quite happen, but I think there's going to be a lot of shakeup and stability at Michigan. Like you, you were right, man. When you were just like, ah, let's, let's chill out on all these recruiting, this recruiting stuff, like things are going to happen in the season. And this looks like to be a season that's rife with that, where there's going to be a lot of shaking and moving. And, uh, you know, they're not going to make a change at Notre Dame. Marcus Freeman's certainly going to get an opportunity to write that ship. Um, it, it happens, you know, the, these, these sort of losses when you're, you're trying to, to get your footing, but it's also not a good, good optics. I mean, Oregon getting absolutely blasted. We have some recruits that were committed, you know, it, in particular, you talk about, uh, what is it? Dante Moore and, um, and CJ Carr, you know, so Oregon and, and Notre Dame respectively, where we had guys that we thought we had locked up and now those teams are in different circumstances and Michigan is certainly looking like one of the favorites this year. I expect recruiting to, to take an uptick as well from a lot of this. It's like standing in the, like the middle of like a neighborhood and your house is fine and you look over and that house is on fire and another one's on fire and it's all these neighbors you despise. So they keep like having their dog like shit in your yard and their leaves. They don't clean up and they always spill into your yard from their trees and now it's like their houses are on fire and like everyone's coming through a safe haven. And they're going to come to your house. Where so do you live? Are you, them. are you living in the town from like escape from New York? Like the, the prison village from, from I am from snake. <laughs> God's name. Do you see when you leave your door, sir? That sounds, that sounds <laughs> apocalyptic. No, man. But yeah, yeah it is. It's like, a- <laughs> there's fires everywhere. I get what you're saying. It's like Cleveland. <laughs> it's like Cleveland, like Detroit in the 90s. You know, we all can all relate to the analogy. Oh, man. All right. So uh, I was at a bar traveling back from Panama, back in the States now, uh, delayed for hours. Nickname Corner. We've been slacking. I said we needed to touch on it. So let's let's touch on a few of these that we're working on. This is definitely uh, not a final list. None of this is in stone. But uh, a couple of these, I think, are, are, are there. Uh, let's go with the ones that I feel pretty solid about. Zach Zinter, ZZ Top. What do you think? Pretty pretty solid? No notes. No notes. I think that that one works as well. Um, man, some of these, though, are going to be. Uh, so Eric All, we've got uh, Eric All Day or Easy E. Every Eric that I've ever known in the history of Eric's has gone by Easy E. I'd be surprised if he didn't go by Easy E. They, that's such a good one. It's just so smooth, rolls off the tongue. Even even with the initials, you could find some pun with like EA Sports somehow in there. So we're still working on this one. Yeah, yeah. I'm not exactly sold, but that's a working title. Here's one. We've got uh, two for DJ Turner. I like both of them. Mambo number five or DJ Turnover. This is where I'm torn because I like both of them. I'm leaning Mambo number five, but I could go either way. Yeah, these are... Yeah, these are gold. I, I might put a poll up in the post with this one, just have people vote on it to see which one we get and let the people decide. But uh, Maybe. it's so funny. You and I were struggling with nicknames for others, but with DJ Turner, we get two high quality options. Yeah, for some of them, it's hard, man. Like usually these things need to come organically or they're like for the really great ones. There's some combination of the number 
and like how the the alliteration of the name works is how you form a lot of these great nicknames but they all all of the great nicknames have come organically so trying to like put effort into it on the back end is really just trying to find a foundation to in which to build off of so room to grow on all these um the one that you submitted i love mikey saner still sub zero i think that's that's a winner for me I think he was branding something like that on Instagram. And that's where I saw it. And I'm like, oh, okay. change his number, obviously, to number zero. So I can't take all the credit. But it's like, that is just, it's cold, pun intended. It's fantastic. Yeah, that's really good. No notes on that one. Um, whoever came up with it, we're just trying to, what are the nicknames for these people? Uh, because a lot of them deserve nicknames. Uh, is there something with RJ Moten being the moat? You know, like a, the defense around the castle. He plays the safety position like there is some there, there's something there. I, I'm just not sure if uh, the moat like that's pretty epic sounding. <laughs> it's got like I don't know what the connotation is with it, because like I just think of like a lazy river surrounding a castle. Like <laughs> well, you've, you've never stormed a castle. Clearly. <laughs> I I'm too busy living in post-apocalyptic Charleston here to worry about storming castles. You got the T-500 coming after you every weekend. Like, what? God's name? Uh, all right. It's, well, we'll, um, yeah, we'll ruminate on that. Yeah. Yeah, that one we could ruminate on. Other ones, uh, the only other one I feel like it's a complete lock uh, is Money Moody. Obviously, everyone clung to that one last year. That's pretty straightforward. Um, your Junior Colson one, though, I did like. That's another one I want to point out. You called him Juco, and that just, I like that. Yeah, short, simple. I mean, you do want a nickname to kind of simplify the name. Um, there's definitely going to be opportunities. Colson seems like he should have a nickname, too. So um, the only other one I thought uh, worth touching on, Mason Moonlight Graham, big Field of Dreams guy. I mean, pot potentially <laughs> problematic, but <laughs> we get canceled because you nicknamed Mason Graham Moonlight. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, the, the name of the guy in Field of Dreams, definitely a white guy. Like, I, I don't know what was going on with that either, but they, they felt all right to do that. Maybe that maybe Field of Dreams needs to to investigate itself. Uh, but for JJ, JJ clearly is the big one. That guy needs a nickname. Uh, we had the blacklist because of Senator McCarthy creating the blacklist for authors during <laughs> McCarthyism. But that also seems problematic because you're a supporting like the suppression of the first amendment and B, you know, it's called the blacklist. Like, yeah, problematic. Probably the blacklist isn't going to work, uh, but you could go with the Senator. But then again, you're, you're celebrating a Senator. That's, pretty wildly reviled <laughs> it's so tough because mccarthyism is great we can use that but like can you imagine just like uh an espn thing with tom rinaldi like explaining his nickname be like yeah he gets his nickname it derives from <laughs> senator joseph mccarthy <laughs> the, the guy that was trying to ban books back in the 50s like <laughs> where did that come from They're like well these these podcasters had a couple too many budweiser's and Modellas one night <laughs> there's there's something there for jj like i i wanted to like dig into like the red scare or something there or like better dead than red shirts with him on it i don't know yeah that's that one probably has to come naturally if you try and force that one you're just going to come up with something either a inappropriate which we're on the verge of or b just flat out wrong and not good so we'll let that one develop but a couple couple in there mozzie smith also feels like he needs some sort of nickname uh, but it's just got to come. I love that you call him the catalyst, the chaos. 
but I don't know that that might be a lot of syllables. Yeah, because Mozzie, like Mozzie and JJ, have the same problem with both like short and abbreviated and the last name. There's like there's things you can do, but it can be a little bit tough, especially with Smith. Unless we're gonna just call him like Mister Smith, like from the Matrix. But <laughs> there's it's just it's a little tougher. I mean, Olu Olu, the team at least we can just call him the Big O, like. Yeah, on. yeah, that's that's pretty easy. I mean, Hattie have rocked the seventy or the seventy-seven, double O seventy-seven or double O seven. Like that was pretty obvious. So everything else, I think, is going to have to come organically. But you know, we'll we'll keep shopping these around. We'll let them breathe a little bit. Uh, something will come to us. The season's early, and uh, I'm grateful for that. Speaking of the season, we've got UConn week three. I'm going to be in attendance. My first of many this year. So excited to have a year where I'm just like locked in on Michigan football and back in the atmosphere should be pushovers. Nonetheless, um, you know, still going to be a lot that we're going to take away and break down uh, probably more so than we should, but let's, uh, let, let's talk about uh, predictions, previews. How do you see this game unfolding, sir? Uh, I see the final game of the preseason unfolding pretty much similar to the first two where it's going to be Michigan dominant, getting their reps in, working out the kinks in the armor a little bit before big 10 play opens up. But I would say one thing I really want to see from this performance is uh, the offensive line play. Like to your point, like let's see just like one smothering dominant, like 300 rush yard, just like flat out performance, like just road grading throughout. Like we saw some holes, like we want to sure up the pass pro a little bit, see a bounce back game for Zach Zenter. Uh, but yeah, I think that's what we can really glean from this is it's a glorified practice. It's the preseason. So like, let's have a good practice on Saturday with the offensive line. A lot of that that I like, I think that it is. And I think it could end up being the most boring of the games, especially since you're starting to see some guys nicked up and they're just like, all right, look, like, let's just get through this at this point. We're the Big Ten champions and the rest of the Big Ten doesn't even look that impressive. You know, we we've got a really good chance to go a long way this year. I think that they're looking at the big picture. So this could be a deal where, um, you know, JJ throws the ball 12 times, you know, and rushes it twice and then he's done for the day. And I don't I see no reason not to let Cade McNamara run the offense for a while, you know, on a day like today and and let the offensive line, especially the second team offensive line, who looks like they're going to be important this year with some guys already missing time. Let them get in there a little bit. Um, man, uh, could be a CJ Stokes game as well. Cause you know, with, with Donovan Edwards being banged up, you're probably not seeing him. I can't imagine like, let's run Corum into the ground is the strategy here. So, um, trying to score on like some end arounds with AJ Henning, trying to get out to a lead early. Seems like that would be a good, good forecast, good prognosis for the offense. And, uh, and on defense, what are you looking for? Uh, defense is where I think they're really going to get after it. Um, going against UConn, UConn's defense is formidable, so I think that's why we alluded to the offense first. Uh, it's by far the best defense we face this year, all, all by its 84th in the country. Uh, but offensively, I just want to see more of the same. I want to see this uh, defense limit the Huskies to under three yards of play. I want them to just be multiple in the back end. I want to see some more mixed-in coverages. I want to see more Macari Page reps. And I'd really like to see Nikai Hill Green get in there, if healthy. Like, I want to see him, like, shake the rust off because it's been a long time since the spring game or even longer since Georgia. So I'd like to see that and just really fine-tune everything. This is the last tune-up game before the things really get real in the season. So I just want to see sharp, precise, multiple, and healthy. 
yeah, healthy being really the key factor there. You you want to get all of your starters in particular on to the next game. Uh, other than Nikai Hill Green, we've been pretty fortunate on the defense. Some of the the uh, offensive ones, you know, could be something to watch down the, the further down the line. Michael Barrett's filled in admirably for Nikai Hill Green, so I, I've been very pleased with him. I think that even when Nikai Hill Green comes back, Michael Barrett's a big part of this. Um, yeah, Mike Morris, Jalen Harrell early on. We were way off with our tackles for losses and sacks prediction in the last game, but Hawaii was getting the ball out extremely quickly. I don't know if UConn, I mean, that's got to be the the game plan against this Michigan defensive line. Get the ball out quickly. Um, this is probably going to be something that you see a lot more of. So, yeah, the sack numbers and tackle for losses could go down. Uh, I don't know exactly how you can't UConn game plans against this, but you're, you're absolutely right. You want to shut this thing down early. Get your guys healthy on to the next week. That's the biggest thing. So let's get some predictions score-wise. Uh, spread is up at around 46.5 for Michigan to cover. Last week, uh, we said, I guess if you're going to bet it to cover, didn't pound the table. I pounded the table for Alabama. I am sorry. Apparently, Texas is back. They can for sure play defense. Uh, that's why I probably won't be giving predictions outside of the Big Ten. Might just even stick to Michigan because much better track record with the teams that I cover closely. So my bad on that one. Um, I lost a little money on that as well, but we're going to we're going to try and get back in this. So 46 and a half is the spread. What do you got it at? Would you uh, bet this spread? Stay away from it. What are you thinking? Uh, I would stay away from the spread. I think it's going to be key that they get healthy at the end. And I think that kind of swayed the um, attacking style like late in the game last week. I mean, 42 nothing at half. The foot came firmly off the gas. Like there was no need to just risk anything. So in this one, I think it's going to be more of the same. I'm going to say, oh, shockingly, this will be the first time Michigan's held under 50 points uh, on the season. Uh, I think the Wolverines win 49-10 to 10 in this one. Again, more of the same foot down early uh, defense is smothering, but they get some points late with uh, the reserves on the field. Yeah, it'll be a lot of that. I see it similarly. Um, I'll go something like uh, 45, 13. Um, I think that, you know, it's going to be a blowout. It's never really going to be in question, but these spreads, like when they get up this big, it's completely different from last year where I think there was a little bit of, we don't trust this Michigan team. Um, and we disproved the the Vegas odds makers this year. They seem to be all over this. They yeah. So these numbers are very big. If I were gonna bet it, I guess I would say bet uh, UConn to cover. But I never like to bet against Michigan, so I'd stay away. Um, the one, if I have to say, um, you know, and I think we ha- at least have to say one. I mean, let's have some courage here, for the love of God. Uh, I would say like maybe Nevada covering the twenty point. 20.5 spread uh, against Iowa just because of how bad Iowa's offense is. But I might stay away this week, see what happens when the Maryland game comes around. If I had to give out one this week, I would I would say, honestly, I think I would still – I'd take Iowa to cover in that gun to head. I think the Iowa defense can score enough to cover that, to be honest. And Nevada coming off losing to Incarnate Word, which, um, yeah, I have nothing. And uh, but the game, the game I would uh, look to put some money on, sprinkle a little bit, might be um, Michigan State going to Washington. I'm I've never been sold on Michael Phoenix Jr. as a passer. I think uh, Michigan State can get after him, so I'd take Michigan State with the points there. They're plus three and a half. 
I would like that as well. I think Michigan State's a better team than Washington. Their schedule gets a lot tougher. So, um, you know, they're one of the most watched teams in the country. I guarantee you a lot of their viewership is Michigan fans because we watch them like we watch them closely and I know they watch us. So like we're one of the we're two of the top five, like most highly viewed teams. And I know so much of it is like the opponents are watching that team because we want to know we want to glean something from that game. So I will have my eyes on that one for sure. Yeah, it's good. I'm glad like we're get, we're getting into some more good conference games because last week was just kind of a wash for the uh, the conference as far as like exciting games are concerned. But I believe the Big Ten East hasn't lost a game yet. Yeah, Big Ten East looks a lot better. Rutgers pulled an impressive upset of BC there, too. So, I mean, yeah, Big Ten East, I mean, the cream of uh, the crop, but uh, the crop is tainted this year, so it's hard to really say. What's uh, one player you, like, give me one prediction here that's, like, a little bold. Don't give me, like, Roman Wilson with, like, another touchdown on his next touch or whatever opens the scoring. Give me something bold here from maybe, like, a second or third stringer that a lot of people don't have on their radar. Interesting. Uh, I could see uh, Isaiah Gash definitely breaking one. Um, how about uh, the special teams unit going like deep in the special teams unit? They got some guys in there. Who is the guy that you and Paul were talking about that? I didn't even I haven't made it to the fourth quarter in my rewatch yet. So I, I'm missing some of like the the special teamers and, and third stringers out there. But that would be that would be another guy. You know, we're still watching Peyton O'Leary. Yes, that's that's a big one. Yeah, Jake Thaw, the returner who had a little boost there at the end. That was exciting. I'm going to go, um, I think Andrew Anthony finally gets on the scoreboard in this one. And I also think this could be a good opportunity for either uh, Tyler Morris or Darius Clemens to get a touchdown with maybe Davis Warren or Cade in there. That's something to watch. And also, we didn't talk about this. In reserve last year, uh, a Marion Walker was playing both ways, offense and defense against Hawaii. Ooh, interesting. I did not pick up on that. That's a great note. Yeah, I would love to see one of Andrell or Clemens get involved because they're looking like they're going to be afterthoughts because CJ's not, he's just not relinquishing it. I know like you weren't super high on CJ, but that seems like a dude that's determined to hold on to his spot. And uh, yeah, so it's going to be a lot harder for Andrell and Darius to get touches. So you got to get him like when Cade's in there and some of that's going to be on Cade. Take some shots, Cade. You're probably going to get hopefully 15 to 20 chances. Like if Cade is the backup, like, and he's really struggling with his confidence, let's let him get in there and actually get some rapport built with, you know, at least Anthony and Clemens, like, and Tyler Morris, as you mentioned, Colston Loveland, some of these other guys that could be mutually beneficial for a lot of people. Absolutely. Cause I mean, the way JJ runs the ball at times, you could be one hit away from having Cade right back in the game. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, there's a lot of young weapons, too, that, that could be developed in this one. So, yeah, I mean, it, it could get like that. I could also see it where they're just playing it really conservative and like, all right, we're up 35, like third teamers are in like nobody that's on the two deeps playing anymore other than Mason Graham and, you know, the the really young guys. So it, it could go either way. That's why, like betting on these games, it's like, all right, well, now you're betting on things like who do they want to play, you know, with 11 minutes left up 36 you know, I have no idea what it's going to look like. It's 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 going to be a, a glorified practice. And, you know, I I'm not this is a good thing for Michigan, like we said, like to do it every now and again. But I am ready to get to like real competition. I'll fully admit that. 
Yeah, exactly. Like, I am as well. But, like, let's not take this for granted because 2017, like, screwing around with Air Force in Cincinnati or 2019 when Army takes us to overtime, I mean, nothing. We don't even touch on 2020. Even, like, last year with Rutgers making it really close and we need two turnovers late to seal it. Like, enjoy the big victories. Like, when winning is boring, that's a good thing for your team. It is. And one point, like, don't want to look ahead to next season, but I mean, you know, we, we cover the team. That's part of the job. If you look ahead at how many guys are projected to go and how many people we think will go in the NFL draft, getting a lot of these young guys reps now is going to pay dividends. Guys like Jimmy Rolder and Micah Pollard and Tyler Morris and Colston Loveland and stuff like definitely Mason Graham, Kenneth Grant, those dudes like those are Derek Moore, super valuable reps, super, super valuable for guys that are going to be expected to play like next year and be starters. So it, it's valuable in that sense as well. And I don't think they're too worried about burning red shirts, especially with the transfer portal being what it is. So let it fly with the youngsters. Will Johnson's going to play a ton. So I'll be watching those guys. Yeah, and even if like they do get concerned about red shirts, this is the third game, and they can play these three games and then sit the rest of the season. But the guys that are going to play rotational minutes throughout, Derek Moore, as you alluded to, theirs be the guys that we can really lean upon. But you get three games off the season like to really get integrated into college football when you're kind of like seated to play next year. I mean, look what it did for people like Rayshon Benny this year who just came home like gangbusters, like to like really like seize the moment and opportunity when he got called upon. So no, these games cannot be undervalued or overvalued by any means because of what it means for the, the current team building momentum and the future teams. With you 100% as per usual, my friend. Um, all right. Any closing thoughts? Uh, give me your, your elevator pitch for uh, house of dragons or house of the dragon. I still don't even know which one it is. I, I just call it dragons, to be honest. Uh, elevator pitch for the show would be uh, if, if Game of Thrones were a family drama like The Crown. Wow, that's, I mean, that's less than an elevator pitch. I think you get like 30 seconds to 90 seconds on an elevator pitch, but I like it. Yeah, yeah, it's a little bit more indoors, conversations in elegant rooms, as Tyrion Lannister put it. I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. I'll be watching for sure. A uh, lot of good college football this weekend. I will be at the game, as I mentioned. Uh, got a stretch of them. Yes. Got that one, then Maryland. So, um, yeah, it, it'll be exciting to, to talk about what I saw in person come back and obviously rewatch it and yeah we'll break this thing down and uh, we've got some some fun guests coming up got a stretch of that here coming up we're not exactly sure on some of the dates for some of these so gonna hold off on that announcement probably announce it next week feel pretty confident that next week we'll be doing a crossover from uh, views from stadium boulevard with those gals over there who are doing tremendous work so excited for that and uh, some other yeah big interviews come in that definitely excited to announce here soon yes yes we're getting some friends of the program back in rotation maybe setting up occasional check-ins with them when we can because these guys like to talk ball and no a lot of great stuff coming uh, especially over at the website amazingbrew.com you dusted off the fingers for your uh sequel piece uh came out about michigan being offensive line you it was um both pieces you wrote were just tremendous. It was great to have a talented writer like yourself back at the site. It really elevates everybody. Um, you can find my work over there. I'm writing five pieces a week now, uh, frequently coming out with like things on Sunday morning and Monday morning to hit you on the morning commute. So no, it's going to be a great season, great year of content. It's good to be back, baby. 
It is, man. And uh, yeah, definitely go check out, uh, in particular, I mean, check it all out, but your, your piece on the quarterbacks was awesome, man. Your kindness and wisdom is only surpassed by your handsomeness and brevity of knowledge regarding all things Michigan, sir. Uh, absolute pleasure to be doing this one. Thanks for uh, all of you for listening. That's going to do it for Out of the Blue tonight. Make sure that you like, share, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, whether that's Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever. Give us a follow over on Twitter. Uh, that's at Maze and Brew. Uh, like us in, in all of those places. We appreciate that. We appreciate you. Remember that wherever you go, go blue.